are busy with a sermon series that we call the Upside Down Kingdom. And we're working through the book of Mark, which is one of the Gospels. And it has been a profound series for me, just how uh, we have had some great sermons. First week, uh, Rudo preached about an unexpected king, uh, where just the king coming, Jesus as a servant, coming to live this life on earth. And just thankful for how just shown himself as he is the unexpected king, but he is the king. Second week, Etienne preached about Jesus as king over conflict, uh, that spite of conflict, he is the king over conflict. And then last week, Donnie preached uh, on that Jesus is king over religion. And uh, you're just an awesome series. And tonight, we are continuing with the series, and we're jumping to chapter 5, verse 21. Now, I know some of the uh, people in this room is like, but we're skipping a few chapters. Why is that? Well, that's just because we don't have time to stop at every session. But we are looking into the series on what is Jesus saying about the kingdom of God. Because we have a, a view of kingdom, but God's perspective is a bit different. And there's some clashes, but we want to come into understanding of what does God say does His kingdom look like, and not our perspective. On God's kingdom. So we are skipping a few sermons by Jesus, and also uh, Jesus traveled from the one place to the next, so he got quite, he uh, became famous, then he traveled over the Sea of Galilee, and then there was the storm, uh, he, he calms the storm, the disciples were freaking out, but Jesus calmed the storm, and then he came to the other side, and then he healed a man, and he, he, he was demon-possessed. Jesus heals him, no, more, no longer demon-possessed, and then Jesus travels back again over the sea, and then he approaches the other side, and that's where we are jumping in. So if you've missed any of our uh, series so far, you're welcome to go catch it up, uh, but we're going to continue tonight from Mark 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 21. So we're going to read that together. Welcome to follow on the screen. And we're going to read from verse 25. This is quite a big chunk. So I'm saying that to brace yourself. I'm doing the reading. You're just listening. Okay. Okay. So, but you can read with me. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, the great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little girl is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years and who had suffered much under many physicians who had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she found in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you? Yet you say, Who touched me? 
and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what Jesus said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, and he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in there where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give us something to eat. What a powerful just piece of scripture that we have in Mark 5 and the title for tonight is that sickness and death bows down to Jesus. Let's pray. Yes, Father, we thank you that you are King. And that as we just read through this book of Mark, we see how you are our Lord over sickness. Lord, we see this healing, we see the stories. We thank you for your word. We thank you that, that Mark penned this down by your inspiration. We know that scripture, it is profitable for preach, for teaching training godliness, correction and reproof. And I pray that we would do that tonight. May this sermon honor you. May what we apply and what we learn, may this just glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a profound story and it's almost these two stories merged together. On the one side, we have this this father, this, this religious leader and uh, his name is Jairus, but he is like a pastor, really involved in the organization of the service. And uh, he has this request, this, this almost like a prayer request, coming to Jesus. He humbles himself and he falls down in front of Jesus' feet. And then he, Jesus follows him. Like he, Jesus agrees and he follows. And then this, this next story of this woman who has been sick for 12 years interjects the story and uh, we're going to read just there. And the reason why I say that sickness and death bows down to Jesus, my first point for tonight is that Jesus is the healer. And we're going to read just again together from verse 25. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she found in her body that she was healed of her disease. For 12 years, this lady was suffering. She went to physicians like doctors. She tried. She spent all she had. 
went there, but it's actually stated that she just got worse. So over 12 years, it just got worse and worse and worse. And she was at this moment desperate saying, if I just touch the garment of Jesus. And we might think that just this, this woman, she has great faith. But there was a common uh, superstition, a, 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 a false belief that if you touch someone's garment who, who was from a a familiar or popular or well-renowned guy or a great teacher, something significant happens if you touch his garment. And this was like a, a superstition that if you just touch a great teacher, then that process of you touching the, the garment, you're going to get healing. Now, this is, this is like a superstition, and, and I'm thinking like, what is a common example? And I'm thinking of students studying... And uh, when the jacaranda starts to bloom, you like, you know your path. You're gonna walk under the jacarandas, and hopefully, a blossom falls on you, and then you have good luck. You're gonna pass the exam. All right? This is more or less the same. Where there's a superstition. If if I yes, please study. But if I just if a lavender blossom, and maybe if I'm lucky, there's three, so the chances are even better then I'm going to pass the exam. And it's more or less the same kind of faith that this lady had. So she had a sense of faith. You can't take that away from her. Faith in Jesus. And this, it's almost like she had this unperfect faith. And I don't know here tonight who has perfect faith. Just by a raise of hand. Okay. So we all agree that we all have some sense of unperfect faith. But we see that as she approaches Jesus, that the touch of Jesus brings the healing. Why? Because Jesus is the healer. That's what we get from this, that Jesus is the healer. It's not the physicians that was the healer. That's not the, the issue. They couldn't solve it, but it's a touch from Jesus, and Jesus knew that power had gone out for him. So first point, we like a statement I want to make, that Jesus is the healer. Second point is Jesus is the reconciler. Sorry, scrap that. Jesus is the restorer. He's also the reconciler, but that's a different sermon. Jesus is the restorer. We're going to read together verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. As I was studying the scripture, I was really challenged. It really felt to me as I was reading it that Jesus is exposing this lady. He's calling her out. So it's this crowd, and she's, she worked herself through the crowd, and she's just want to touch Jesus, and she's healed, and then backs off, and we don't know where she went exactly. And Jesus asked this question, who touched me? And the disciples, they, they joke. They say, you, you see the crowd pressing. So these people, everyone touched you, Jesus. What are you saying? And I'm just putting myself in the, in the feet of Jesus, now, Jesus asked the lady, uh, after he said, who touched me? She comes and she tells the whole story. So, 
what the disciples are hearing is he's telling how she has been having a discharge of blood for 12 years, say how she's been giving out money, ask for physicians. The disciples, they knew a law from Leviticus 15 that says, if you have a discharge of a discharge of blood, you are called unclean. Now what this uncleanness means is you are rejected from society. You are not allowed to enter into gatherings, into groups, into the public without making yourself known and say, Hey, I'm unclean, I need to go there to the physician. So she was unclean for 12 years. Furthermore, this law actually allowed, if you were married, that the husband had permission to divorce his wife. So she was either divorced, or if you have a discharge of blood and unclean, you are not allowed to marry. She's single, and she's been rejecting society. She's poor. She maybe um, just don't look that great. Just been a reject of society, and what the disciples realized, like she touched probably a few guys tonight or this day. She touched Jesus, she touched the crowd. So, according to the law, everything that this lady touched is unclean as well. Every person and everything is unclean. But we see what Jesus is doing, knowing that power had gone out from him to this woman. Woman, he's saying to her, daughter. Your faith has made you well, and go in peace, go in peace, and be healed of your disease. See, what is profound about this is three things. Firstly, Jesus calling her daughter, calling, him into, calling her into relationship with him. Like this lady hasn't been hearing such a relational word her entire life. Second thing he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. See, it's not the physicians that made her well, it's not the touching of a cloth, of his cloth that made her well. It is the faith in Jesus that made her well. That is the only thing that made her well. So if Jesus is gone, or if the cloth is gone, or if the religious leader is gone, it is not that that heals. It is the faith in Jesus that brings the healing. Knowing what this woman has gone through, the reason why I say that Jesus is the restorer is that he tells her, Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So it's a common greeting that was shalom, go in peace. And this had a profound significance for this woman because she hasn't been having peace for a long time. And Jesus saying to her, go in peace, he's speaking over her. She has just made herself known. So if Jesus didn't ask her to reveal herself, to make herself known, to tell a testimony, to tell the story, she wouldn't have been restored back in society. But Jesus saying, Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. No longer are you unclean, but I am restoring you back into society. There was a crowd. There were witnesses seeing this woman. Not Jesus that became unclean, as the law would say, but it is Jesus restoring this woman back into society. So Jesus, he is the restorer. While this is happening, meanwhile, as Jesus was speaking, verse 35, we see, They came from the ruler's house. Some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now we're back into the story of Jairus, the father. He had the prayer request. He had this, this request 
to Jesus, come heal my daughter. She's at the point of death that she is about to die. Come. And, and Jesus followed him. And then this woman who is a reject, she comes in and the father's like, Jesus, why did you stop? Why, why are you wasting time? I, I, I asked nicely. I prayed. I, I requested sincerely. I fell to my, to my, to my feet and to your feet, humbling myself that you took your time. I can just imagine from the father's side of just how he just lost hope. Because when he asked Jesus, there was life. But now this, his daughter is dead, so all this, his hope is gone. Why bother the teacher any further? And there's this beautiful word, but, if you have in the Bible, Jesus overhearing them, Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And immediately, no one, immediately, and he allowed, sorry, verse 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brothers of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to him, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And the understanding just of what is happening here, there's a commotion, there's people crying and weeping. And a common Jewish custom was, if someone died, you had to get a few professionals. It's almost like Afbop, where they do the funeral thing, um, but what these people were responsible, you had to hire weepers. So these weepers, these wailers, you had flute players that would come and make a commotion. They would, you know, someone is dead because of this, the noise, the weeping, the, the wailing. They were, they were making a noise and we see it just from the amount of people that is involved in that commotion. It's quite a wealthy family and the law required this. So they are professionals. So what do we learn about this is if the professional says she's dead, she's really dead. Yeah. She's not sleeping. She is dead. But Jesus is saying, why are you making a commotion, weeping? child is not dead, but sleeping. See, Jesus is not just a healer. He's not just a restorer. But he is the resurrector. And the last point is that Jesus, he is the resurrector. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand, said to her, Talita Kubi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was five years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. See, Jesus, he is the resurrector. And when everything and all hope was gone, when physical signs was, was there that this lady, this, this child, Charles' daughter, she's dead. She, Jesus, there's a but. I am the resurrected. Now, this is the second time where, where Jesus touches someone unclean, according to the law. See, Jesus touches the dead, but then he resurrects the dead see that there's a resurrection of this lady happening because of Jesus being in the room. 
It's one of three times that we see a resurrection in the New Testament. One of the times we read in John is, is the resurrection of Lazarus. You see how Jesus he resurrects him from the dead and uh, just does it. He, resect, he died and now he's alive. And that's the meaning of resurrection. Is someone that was dead, they are resurrected and now alive. They brought back to life. The second time we see is this lady, this, this girl where Jesus comes and he says, Daughter, arise. He, he resurrects her from being dead to be alive. And then the third time we see a resurrection, it is the resurrector. It is the resurrection. We read in John 11 verse 25, Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Is Jesus stating that after Lazarus' resurrection? See, Jesus is not just the resurrector, but he is the resurrection. And the good news for us is that because of the resurrection of Christ, because of Jesus dying the death that we should have taken and being resurrected on the third day, that we, because of that, we can be resurrected in Christ. See, there's a hope for us that, that we are dead eternally, but in Christ, when we put our faith in Him, He resurrects us into eternal life. This is a good news for us because more than your healing, more than your restoring, God is, has your resurrection in mind, your life, your eternal life. He, he doesn't want you to die eternally. Therefore, He has sent His Son so that we can be resurrected in Christ. What is beautiful about the story is just the relational words that Jesus uses. He says, little girl, I say to your rise that Jesus is resurrecting her into family. One of the only times where, the, where Jesus uses this word, Balita Kumi, just a very, like a play word, very intimate, very, very close. Jesus is saying, Balita Kumi, arise. That is God's heart for each one of us, to be resurrected in Him. He doesn't want us to be dead. He doesn't want us to be dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin, dead to eternally. And He has given Himself so that we can have eternal life. And ask the band to come up so long. Is how do we respond to this chapter tonight? How do we respond to this knowledge that death and sickness pass down to Jesus. There's many times we have prayer requests like Jairus, maybe like the Father, and um, just asking God for things, and it may be good things, things that you want in your life, but it, it seems like God is not on time. It seems like He's taking His time with your prayer requests. God is just not coming through. We're asking God, we're praying, we're interceding, and thinking back years ago when we when we um, we were engaged, me and my wife, and we prayed. Uh, it was it was COVID, the lockdown, and asked God, we want to go on with our wedding. How can we go on with a wedding when there's a lockdown and we had to move things around, just chaos? When we fasted, we prayed, let 
let COVID, let everyone be healed and regulations be taken away and let, let us just get married. It is your heart for us to get married. And the thing is, our prayer requests weren't answered. We didn't have our big wedding. We didn't have the first dance. We didn't have food at our wedding. If you know me, that's funny. We, we didn't have, we didn't get what we prayed for. We did get married, just a bit of a different kind of wedding. And we asked this prayer, we have this, this prayer request that we ask God. Maybe you're here tonight, you're like this father, just feel like Jesus. Where have you been? I put my faith in you, I, I fasted, I prayed, I asked, but you are not in time. May like his father. Maybe, maybe you are like the crowds. There was a crowd where Jesus just walked through, and everyone just like a big commotion. Just the crowds just missing what Jesus is currently doing. Maybe you're like this this woman where you just need healing, you need a touch of Jesus. The desperate. The thing is, or the truth is, that your prayers, not all of them, are going to get answered. Sorry, not sure if someone promised that to you about Christianity. All your prayer requests, not going to get answered. But that doesn't change who God is. Jesus, He is the healer. He is the restorer. He is the resurrection. But more than your sickness, more than your request, more than your, how you fit into society, more than that, that, God is mindful of your life. So not all your prayers for healing and requests for that is going to become true but this is what God is promising that there is one prayer that is always going to become true that is when you ask Jesus to come be the saviour of your life that prayer request he promised that he is always going to answer that if you feel here tonight and you are saying I need a resurrection because of Jesus' resurrection, we can be resurrected into His life. And what is beautiful about the story, there was a lot of imperfect faith. So you, with your, just your, your, your faith, you want to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I need you to resurrect me. I need your life. I am sorry for my old life. I need you.